Hi, my name is Franco. I'm the editor and co-founder of PropMoto, and welcome to an episode of our Metatrends podcast, where we look at the bigger picture when it comes to the things changing the property industry. In the aftermath of the coronavirus shutdown, it seemed like everyone had an opinion about the commercial property industry. My social media feed was clogged with hot takes, and my inbox was overflowing with pitches with every sort of theory. There were predictions that we would see a mass exodus from cities, since they were a relic of an old economic system. We didn't need them now that we could all work from our suburban homes or international hotspots or farmsteads or wherever. There were others who foresaw an end to shopping as we know it, instead replaced by in-home delivery. But one of the beautifully humbling things about this pandemic is that we are all equally new to it. Nothing like this has ever happened before, so none of us, no matter how hard we try to act like it, really knows what the hell is going on. When times are uncertain, it's human nature to want to have the world explained to us. We latch on to the ideas that at least roughly match our worldview when things are stable and even more so during crisis. But one thing I've learned from real estate is that no matter how much time and effort you may save by taking someone else's word, it is always better to do your own due diligence. So when the crisis hit, instead of talking to someone about what was going to happen, I wanted someone who could teach me how to analyze the situation. For these kinds of lessons, the first person I usually talk to is L.D. Salmonson, the founder of the commercial property data platform, Cherry. I've known L.D. for a while, and one of my favorite things about him is that he has a lot of seemingly opposing qualities. On one hand, he likes to be in control, especially when it comes to data. He monitors everything. He can tell you what he had for dinner this day last year. But on the other hand, he speaks his mind openly and he doesn't try to water his message down or hit his marketing points. He knows technology, but isn't a techie. He is one of the most knowledgeable people I know about the property industry, but I've never seen him wear a suit. If I had to describe him in terms of a popular movie trope, I would say he is the young sonar operator on a submarine. The one that hears the enemy ships first and comes running to tell the captain. He even looks the part a bit, with a baby face, a steadfast glare, and a perpetually furrowed brow. The sonar technician is actually a great analogy for what his company does. Cherry is a platform that helps property companies analyze real estate data to find the signal and all the noise bouncing around out there. His job isn't to tell his clients what to do. His job is to help them make their own decisions with their own worldview. We're working with our clients to try and figure out what type of world they think we're in. And depending on what world they think they're in, depending on their estimates about when that event arises is going to take place, um, that leads to certain types of, of opportunities. For example, if you think this is a very short rebound and we're going to be back to normal prices very soon, this is in your mind a value opportunity and you should be using that cash to be able to buy as much as possible right now to be able to, to revert to that mean. Um, if you're a long-term value buyer, you know, someone like a, a Blackstone or a Brookfield where you know, essentially your model is levered beta, even though it's probably not the way they would advertise it, um, such that they're investing when the market's fairly low and utilizing their advantage and cost of capital to generate returns over a long period of time. 
they'll probably wait until they really feel that the bottom um, is out there and then slowly deploy capital uh, opportunistically as they see the recovery taking place. Um, so I think we're going to see different types of, uh, of appetites for risk depending on different types of, of parties' view of the world. And it's our job to give them the framework to be able to make that decision. Now, it's also true that everything that we talk about, every type of model or decision framework that we think about has to be predicated on the, on the data, right? So we're telling our clients to look back as long as possible, ideally into the late 90s at the very least, right, to be able to say, let's look at some of these general macro factors, how they're affected, what they acted like in the worst case scenario such that once we have a good understanding of the type of risk that you're willing to take as a client, and once we understand how you see the world, what type of, of scenario are we in? Are we in a short-term, a long-term recession? Um, are we in this new cataclysmic event where it's going to take many years? Whatever it is that you decided, let's try and figure out what the data says about past events that reach that type of, um, of calamity and then try and work our way back and get a good assessment about, assessment about the future. Admit. I already had a predetermined view of what kind of world I thought we were in before I went into our conversation. I was sure there was going to be a drop in property values from the seemingly inevitable temporary loss of rent income. I wanted to know how much they would drop. I was particularly interested in what, how it would affect one of the most advertised metrics for buildings value, what is called the capitalization rate, or cap rate. Cap rates are ratios of what a building's net profit is compared to its sales price. If revenues stop, even for a small part of the year, profits for many buildings go down significantly. If we keep cap rates constant, that means an enormous amount of value is lost from commercial buildings around the world. If we adjust cap rates to preserve building value, then the industry starts looking less attractive to investors as a whole. True to his nature, LD didn't give me a prediction or play to my preconceived notions. Instead, he explained that cap rates are a construct of a building's marketing, and thus would likely be controlled by the brokers that are tasked with selling them. Brokers tell stories. They tell stories around assets. They tell stories about why assets are worth what their seller is trying to get for that asset. But I don't mean stories in a, in a negative way, because I know it can sound negative. I mean just a story about why an asset can be successful. I built this asset in a specific area. The entire area around me now went up as well. That's a very interesting story. So I know that if I'm building a certain asset or buying a certain asset area, it might have a certain effect. A tenant comes to an area, how it affects that. So um, those stories maybe in past were more, I would call facetious stories or maybe not data-driven stories. Today, those stories are very often in the good brokerage firms, definitely the big brokerage firms, those are somewhat data-driven stories, right? They're not going to be, you know, completely off the charts. Their job is to try and contextualize, hey, buyer, you know, the market might say that, you know, this is worth 800,000, but is there any other asset where you have a porch on the 50th floor? No, so this is a little different than all those other comps you just shown. What's the premium for that? Well, now we have a discussion around that premium, right? So there's a lot of storytelling around buying and selling assets, and um, there's a lot of art to creating that, and good brokers are really, really good at getting the maximum price for their sellers or negotiating the best price for their buyers, right? So um, that, that's in itself its whole world. And, are there problems in that market? I'm sure there are people that, you know, nefarious actors. But as a general rule, a lot of those folks in the big firms are really just trying to do a good job, which is get value for their clients. Stories are important, not just for delivering a message or selling products, although they are certainly good for that too. Stories are important for investors. Anyone that has had to risk a large amount of money is constantly creating their own story of what they think will happen in the world.
the best investors are always challenging and adjusting their story based on new information that comes to light. But even the most analytical investors have to at some point take a leap of faith in their analysis and believe their own story. Most people determine their story by comparing it to other similar events in the past. The easiest comparison to make right now for what is happening is to the financial crisis of 2008. But LD warns against comparing the two since there are some important differences between them. I think the debt challenges we're going to see this time around are going to be very different, right? They're not coming from people that overextended themselves or took abnormal risks. It's going to come from people who took very ordinary risks. In fact, maybe fairly small risks historically, right? We know that credit, um, the, you know, the, the consumer saving was fairly high prior to this recession, or presumably a recession, um, fairly high historically, right? Which would gave a lot of people um, reasons to think that this, this bull market would continue much longer since, you know, we weren't overextended. So given all of those things, you know, it, it gives us reason to think that, you know, we should be doing a little better um, given where we are, right? So the debt situation that we're going to see is a debt situation that's going to affect everyone horizontally and not um, certain sectors that took abnormal risk or, or certain sectors that were maybe you know, sold products that, that, that maybe they didn't fully understand. We're just talking about a general market problem. And that leads to one of two solutions. One is you can ignore the problem and let the market sort things out. And that abnormally hurts the lower um, and weaker part of the population, or you can kind of do what the U.S. is doing right now, which is a really weird experiment, but um, no one's really said it, but it's sort of what's going on, which is we're just going to pump so much money into the system from a Keynesian standpoint, because obviously we can't lower the rates, and we're going to basically say we're going to assume this event is temporary, don't know how long, and we're just going to keep pumping in money into the market and pretend this event didn't happen such that if and when this event, which is presumably temporary, ends, you'll just keep going as if nothing happened. And we'll just fill in that gap from, um, from government spending, Keynesian government spending. Um, I, I don't know that we have enough confidence in those types of financial models to be able to make those predictions, but um, it's a really interesting experiment and we're about to find out if it works. Um, if it does work, it gives us a lot of um, confidence going forward that we can solve some of these problems um, with um, stopgap spending and, and overcome other types of crises in the future as well. Remember, LD is not the guy that latches onto ideas because they fit his views. He doesn't believe the captain that thinks the enemy subs are nowhere around. He is the one that remains dutifully pressed to the headphones, trying to find any trace of what might be hiding in the depths. Sure, he has his own opinions about what will happen to commercial properties, but he doesn't tend to spend too much time expounding on them. Instead, he usually talks to me about how he thinks about the property industry and how to translate an idea into a numerical representation of the future. But even armed with the more informed investment thesis and more sophisticated analytical tools, how can an investor be certain in these uncertain times? As much as data and algorithms can help increase the accuracy of predictions, they will never be able to predict the future. In the end, Everyone has to think about their own constraints, goals, and time horizons. But LD did have one piece of encouragement for all those who are still willing to sail into unknown waters. I, I would just add that this is a time of opportunity. Um, real fortunes are made 
um, during turmoil. And when markets shift either direction, that's when opportunities are created. And if we look historically at some of our biggest clients and partners' um, portfolios and look at when the vast majority of the alpha that they created in their portfolios was generated, it was generated in the earlier days from the trough uh, to the peak rather than the later days. And the same thing's true on the other end, right? So um, I would encourage anyone um, who's looking at the market right now to identify, you know, what does the world look like? Where do I think I'm going? And given that, look historically around how things acted with the relevant changes that um, this specific, unique, idiosyncratic um, situation presents, and then be very bold. Um, take these opportunities um, with two hands and, and capture them and um, be a winner when this is all over. Um, don't sit on the sidelines one way or another. What I wanted to know from LD was his prediction of the upcoming drop in commercial property value. But what I ended up learning was that when it comes to valuing a building, perception is reality. Right now, everyone seems to have a different opinion of what will happen to our economy. Because of this, the markets have no real coherent direction. In times like these, rather than trying to follow the rest of the herd, the best thing to do is to spend some time determining what I perceive as value and act accordingly. We have to, at some point, make assumptions, as long as we remember to keep our ear out for any new noises and be willing to change direction, dive deeper, or surface for air. you enjoyed this podcast. It is one of four in our Metatrend series. Please check out all the rest and all the articles we've written on the topic at propmoto.com forward slash metatrends. And if you want our insights and commentary delivered directly to your inbox every day, please sign up for our daily newsletter. Thanks for joining. Be safe and build well.